Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're talking about the difference between two types of inflation. But first, we have an upcoming project at Y Street Capital, my development company, for a 259-unit apartment building to be built in Spokane, Washington. We plan to host a webinar next week on September the 19th. If you're interested in learning more about this exciting opportunity, send an email to webinar at victorjm.com. That's webinar at victorjm.com, and we'll get you registered for the webinar. This investment offering will be under Regulation D, Exemption 506C, and is open to accredited investors only residing in the United States. Any investment will be by prospectus only and will be in compliance with U.S. securities regulations. On today's show, we're talking about inflation. Economists have terminology for inflation that is used to describe the nature of inflation. The first is cyclical inflation. This type of inflation is caused by a short-term economic disruption, for example, a supply shock. And once that supply shortage is resolved, prices tend to normalize and inflation essentially disappears. We saw this, for example, in the wake of World War II from the period of 1945 to 1948. Some economists lately have used the term transitory to describe this cyclical inflation. The second type of inflation is called secular. This is deeper and more systemic type of inflation that tends to persist because it's driven by multiple factors, including the so-called wage price spiral. Once you have secular inflation, it's much more difficult to eliminate from the economy. It becomes anchored in the economic psyche of the population. It appears as though we have a cyclical inflation happening right now. The supply shock that occurred during the pandemic has subsided, inventories are bloated, the stimulus checks have dried up, and prices are falling as suppliers compete more aggressively for customer business. Secular inflation is when inflation expectations become anchored. The factors influencing inflation become systemic and entrenched. And on today's show, I'm going to make a case that even though we are currently in a disinflationary period, in fact, some parts of the world are experiencing deflation, the disinflation we are experiencing is a result of a cyclical downturn against the backdrop of a longer secular cycle. So you might be thinking, how is it, Victor, that you're claiming we have secular inflation during a time when we're clearly experiencing cyclical inflation and disinflation? Well, I'm glad you asked. The reason is that we're in the midst of a commodities super cycle. We're experiencing rising oil prices, largely due to a short-term effect, with Saudi Arabia previously having announced a 1 million barrel per day cut and Russia's cut of 300,000 barrels a day. Oil has averaged close to $70 a barrel for much of this year, but today prices are above $90 a barrel and they seem poised to go higher. Somehow this increase is hardly visible in the mainstream media. At the same time, we have countries in the developing world increasing their energy footprint. As people transition from bicycles to public transit to scooters, their energy consumption increases. After that, the next step is usually a small car and eventually an SUV. When multiplied across the breadth of a population, each one of these steps increases the energy consumption by a massive amount in a developing nation and ultimately the world. Fortunately, electric scooters are becoming mainstream, which might reduce pollution compared with the two-stroke engines found in many parts of the world. In China, there's now 350 million scooters. When I first visited China, all I saw was bicycles, and they today have 230 million cars. Now, many of these scooters are electric. In Taiwan, 60% of the population drive scooters, the highest in the world. 
we're seeing rapid adoption of gas-powered scooters in Vietnam and many other countries in Asia. The fact is, the world has passed peak oil. Oil is becoming more and more difficult and costly to extract from the ground. Crude oil and their products will continue to be more and more expensive as the global supply for energy is required for transportation. Electrification sounds great, but the energy to produce the electricity needs to come from somewhere. The U.S. produces about 60% of its electricity from fossil fuels. The majority of that's from natural gas. The rest is from coal. Energy prices for the next decade are going to be elevated, which is going to drive consumer price inflation. Now, governments can print money, but they can't print energy. Perhaps the sole exception to that was a short-term window when the Biden administration bled down the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in order to buy votes during the midterm election in 2022. They had a window of opportunity to replenish the Strategic Petroleum Reserve this year when prices were below $70 a barrel, but they didn't take it. That ship has sailed, and they now face the quandary of replenishing that reserve at prices above $90 a barrel. There's only about 20 days' worth of national consumption left in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That's an incredibly low number. So when we see energy prices increasing, governments the world over will print money to help subsidize or combat high energy prices. We saw that in Europe last year. Energy policy is a long game. It requires sustained investment over decades. And this time frame is longer than voter memories from one election to the next. And since true inflation is always a monetary phenomenon, when we saw governments spend far more in direct handouts to the population to subsidize energy prices last year than it would have cost them to invest in the infrastructure to develop a secure second source of LNG for themselves. Even after the winter was over, they couldn't even look far enough ahead to plan those investments for a secure LNG supply, and it's because those investments take a long time. The average member of the population is clearly seeing their purchasing power eroding. Now, so far, we have not seen wages keep pace with inflation. In a moment of economic weakness, workers will not have the leverage to demand higher pay. Some will try, but most are happy to retain a job that they like, or at least a job that's giving them steady income. Eventually, it's going to reach a tipping point, and I predict we will see a wage price spiral. It's for these reasons that I believe we're currently in a short-term window of disinflation, which is a short-term aberration within the context of a longer secular inflation. The next couple of years are going to be rough for real estate investors with elevated interest rates and affordability for tenants being maxed out. But after that, inflation will continue to cause the greatest wealth transfer of all time to real estate investors. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.